Now, for all of you who thought Sami Zayn was actually beating Roman Reigns, <laughs> I told you. I told you. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Ninja Nerd Warrior podcast for February 20th, 2023. I am your host, Greg Hernandez, and yeah, I told you, I, I, you know what, I don't want to be the guy that told you, that said I told you so, but no, I don't, I love being that guy. Anyway, we will get back to that, because there's no sense in starting off the show with the main event, this is not AEW Dynamite, we're actually going to save the big match for the end of the fucking show. But, um, anyway... I've actually, okay, first off, can we acknowledge the fact that I actually did a show two weekends in a row? Yay me, that's some junior college effort right there. Um, And just like last week, I'm going to start off the show with more UFOs. Yeah, fucking hell. There have been four, count them, four different, not counting the Chinese balloon that I'm going to be advertising this podcast on. Four different incidents where our government has shot down unidentified flying objects. This one was over Canada. Yeah, that happened. So apparently, the Canadian Prime Minister asked us to shoot it down. Trudeau called up Biden and he was like, Hey, hey, I know you guys like blowing shit up. How about helping us out? Or however he sounds, I don't fucking know. But, um, yeah, so we fucking shot down another one, and here's, okay, here's the part that's starting to scare the shit out of me, folks. Um, aliens have come to Earth, and we continue shooting them down. And, and the, the shooting them down part's not, that, that doesn't scare me, okay? It's the fact they got here in the first place, that scares the shit out of me. Because anytime aliens from another planet have come to Earth, never a happy ending really hasn't. I mean, V the series, aliens come to Earth, we're fucked. Independence Day, aliens come to Earth, we're fucked. War of the Worlds, aliens come to Earth, we're fucked. Both times, 1953 and 2005. Yeah, I mean, we couldn't have been that fucked because Tom Cruise beat him. Fucking guy's like five foot six. So, um, yeah, couldn't have been that scary. But anyway, yeah, that happened. And as a matter of fact, I wasn't even going to cover that on this show. I figured, you know what? I've already beaten that dead horse on the last show, but fuck it. It happened again, and it gave me a chance to make a Tom Cruise short joke like that motherfucker isn't three inches taller than I am. Anyway, I do uh, I do have some bad news, though. I have already broken my news resolution. We are not even halfway through February. I guess we are halfway, huh? It's the 20th, dumbass. Anyway. Yeah, we are we are almost through February, and I have already broken my New Year's resolution. Uh, for those of you who didn't hear that show, my New Year's resolution was to argue less with trolls on social media. Anytime, okay, if I post something and somebody wants to discuss it with me and they're just being cool, all right, I'll discuss it with them. And you might disagree with me, you might not, whatever, but as long as... We're cool and we're vibing. All right. But if your whole purpose is just to troll me, 
uh, yeah, I'm going to bitch slap the shit out of you, and then I'm going to block you before you have a chance to respond. Because trolls don't give a shit about being right. They just want to get the last word in. So if you bitch slap a troll and block them, oh, that gets them pissed. So I unfortunately broke that resolution because I argued with this troll probably a good 45 minutes longer than I should have. All right. Here's what happened. I'm going through Twitter and I see this article that Vince Russo says he is sick of fans singing Seth Rollins' song. My response was, of course Vince Russo's sick of hearing fans singing because that means Rollins is over and Vince Russo never got anybody over and on his own in his fucking life. And I left it at that. Okay? Now, enter dipshit troll number 74 and he his response is, uh, Austin, Rock, Foley, Triple H, Mr. McMahon. And and now at this point, I know I'm being trolled. I know I am because you brought you brought up some of the most talented fucking wrestlers of the last 30 years who were stars before Russo got there. But because Russo happened to work there. Yeah, no, no, I already know this is a troll. And so I just I responded and I said, I asked him, I said, did you just say that with a straight face? And he's just, I picture him being like, I picture him being this guy. Like, no, Vince Russo got all of those guys over. And I had to tell him, I'm like, no, bro. Like they got themselves over. Russo just cr- took credit for it. And that, no, of course that wasn't good enough. Cause he came back with, you never would have heard of Austin rock triple H if it wasn't for Vince Russo. All right. I mean, this is his opinion, okay, but I have to ask, then why did he never get anyone else over ever again? Which is a valid question. This fucking guy worked for WCW and TNA. Name one person who came out of WCW or TNA during the Russo era that looked like a big star. Go ahead. Go ahead. You know what? I'll wait. take nobody fucking ever Alex nobody nobody Vince Russo never got anybody else over that motherfucker jumped to WCW in 99 Goldberg was already a star Goldberg was already and keep in mind Goldberg was the only fucking star WCW made from scratch Goldberg was already a a homemade proven commodity so by the time Russo jumped to, t- uh, to WCW, Goldberg was already a made man. So don't even think about telling me, well, Russo made Goldberg. You can fuck right off, okay? Vince Russo got nobody over in WCW to the point that that company died, okay? Vince Russo then followed Jeff Jarrett and Jerry Jarrett to Nashville 
when TNA was born, okay? And Vince Russo continued his impressive streak of never getting anybody over, ever, okay? Vince Russo never got anybody over in TNA. But Greg, what about AJ Styles? Nobody gave a fuck about AJ Styles until he left TNA and went to New Japan. So you can shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear about... Uh, I don't want to hear about AJ Styles. I don't want to hear about beer money, all right? Russo was already fired well before beer money became a thing. And on a slight tangent, we're just going to take a side quest here, folks. TNA was on Spike TV. Vince Russo pissed off so many people, Spike TV told TNA, you fucking fire him. If he's working for you, we're canceling your TV deal. TNA said okay, and they fired Vince Russo. At least they told Spike TV they, cut, they fired Vince Russo. Vince Russo was still on the payroll, and Spike TV found out because somebody fucked up and CC'd Spike TV executives on an email that Vince Russo was on. So when the Spike TV executives found out that TNA was still employing the guy they told him to fire... Spike TV canceled TNA's TV deal. Just to, just to give you a further clue of what a fuckwit Vince Russo is. But this guy continued. This guy kept going. This guy was... Nobody would have been watching wrestling in the 90s if it wasn't for the edgy storylines and it wasn't for, the, for the, all the TV that Vince Russo was writing. Okay, all right, stop, stop, stop. You're telling me that nobody would have been watching wrestling if it wasn't for the edgy storylines Vince Russo was writing and the the wrestlers, the characters that Vince Russo was getting over. Is that... that is, that's what you're telling me, okay? Hold on here for a second. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and get in my... Uh, let's get in the Wayback Machine, folks. Let's go ahead and you're going to get in my Wayback Machine and we're going to go back to the Attitude Era. You know what? Let's actually go back before the Attitude Era. And let's see how many stars were made before Vince Russo. Okay, so before Vince Russo, Hogan, Savage, you had Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Diesel, Razor Ramon, The Undertaker, all right? Holy shit, that's a lot. Now, let's go ahead and we'll take a look at during Vince Russo, all right? During Vince Russo, Austin, Rock, Triple H, um, McFoley, Mr. McMahon, pretty impressive lineup, very impressive lineup. Now, let's look at post Vince Russo. You have Brock Lesnar, John Cena, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Kevin fucking Owens, okay, Sami Zayn, Sami fucking Zayn, all right? You know what? I was talking shit, and I told you Sami Zayn wasn't winning, but that motherfucker was a Canadian god to these people tonight. So, if you look at all the stars that were made before Vince Russo, you look at all the stars that were made during Vince Russo, and after Vince Russo, I think it's safe to assume Vince Russo didn't have a fucking thing to do with it. WWE did. Vince Russo was just there to fucking take credit for it. But let's go ahead and backtrack a bit because, again, I asked him if, if Vince Russo was this creative genius, why could he never duplicate his success anywhere else? WCW, TNA, like the, guy, the guy's pretty much back to running a video store. 
Okay. If those still exist, this guy told me, he's like, well, the attitude era was like his peak. It's like when a band puts out an album and, but they can't ever duplicate that success ever again. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait. So, okay. Are you telling me Vince Russo is basically Lou Bega? And 1998 was his mambo number five. Is that is that seriously what you're telling me? Vince Russo gave us the pro wrestling Macarena. That's that's your story. Oh, fucking seriously? Like at this point, I've fallen for it. I folks, I have fucking fallen for it because a troll's only job is to annoy the living fuck out of you, and he did. He seriously did. But I shook him. With the fucking Lou Bega thing. I really did. Because he actually... <laughs> I'll take shitty music for 800, Alex. He actually circled back. Well, Vince Russo was like Weezer. And Weezer never got the credit they deserved for how good they were. Bro, that is the first thing you've said that we agree on. Because the only people that liked Weezer was millennial hipsters who loved to pretend they were better than they really were. Weezer had the sweater song, and that was it. Three years later, Weezer was playing that prestigious county fair circuit. Three years after the sweater song, you couldn't go to a Weezer show without the smell of funnel cake in the air. And they were usually on a triple bill with Sugar Ray and Crazy Town. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. See, this is why I made the resolution in the first place. Dealing with dumbass trolls got my blood pressure all up and shit. Fucking morons. Anyway, Elimination Chamber show. That was tonight because WWE is putting their shows on Saturday now. Don't know why, but all right, let's go with this. Okay. I see the reason the reason WWE had their shows on Sunday. I do know this. WWE had their shows on Sunday because they didn't want to go head to head with UFC. Because UFC would have kicked their ass in pay-per-view. They would have. It just... It's not like this is 1998 anymore. Speaking of the Attitude Era, if this were 1998, then yeah, it wouldn't have mattered when WWE put their shows on Saturday or Sunday. Because going head-to-head with UFC, number one, there wasn't a UFC in 98. Was there? Yeah, there was. I'm a dumb shit. Anyway, UFC wasn't pulling great numbers in 98. And WWF was just this giant juggernaut. So, yeah, it wouldn't have mattered then. But it's mattered for the last 20-something years. So WWE has been putting their shows on Sunday because except for except for football season, doesn't matter. But since WWE is not doing pay-per-views anymore, put their shows on anytime. Nobody gives a fuck. I have no idea why, why I side-quested that time. But anyway... Elimination Chamber. We opened with the Women's Elimination Chamber. You had Asuka, Liv Morgan, Nikki Cross, Carmella, Raquel Rodriguez, and Natalia. And this, this was a chore to watch. It really was. Because now the early moments of this looked good. I mean, you had Liv Morgan and you had Natalia starting off. And the early moments look good. Everything looked good. The only thing, I will say this, if I'm being fair, the only thing that looked bad was everything Liv Morgan did. Seriously. 
Liv Morgan can't bump. She can't take a corner. She can't sell. She can't throw a kick with her right foot without throwing up her left foot first like she's jumping over a six-inch tall hurdle. This Liv Morgan is basically, she's cute, she's blonde, and she's thin. That's what she's got going for her. End of fucking list. Oh my god. Now, I will say this. They hit all the mandatory elimination chamber spots. They did. This a WWE gimmick match is becoming like uh, like an Olympic ice skating event. There's the long program and the short program and you got to hit all your mandatory spots or it doesn't count. In the elimination chamber, the mandatory spots are somebody's got to jump off the top of the pod and somebody's got to crash through the plexiglass of the pod. Well, check and check. Because Nikki Cross jumped off the top of the pod onto Raquel, onto um, Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. And then, a few minutes after that, Raquel Rodriguez picked up Nikki Cross and ran her through the glass. Remember when Elimination Chamber first started? And Michael Cole was trying to tell us that this glass was fucking bulletproof. Yeah. He stopped doing that because somebody crashed through the pod on every show. And last I checked, they weren't traveling as fast as bullets. So Michael Cole dropped the whole bulletproof bullshit. So as I said before, you had Liv Morgan and Natalia starting off this show, starting off this match. And then one by one, you had Raquel Rodriguez comes out of the pod. You have... Um, Nikki Cross comes out of the pod. You have Carmella coming out of the pod. Then it got to the greatest part of this match ever. Carmella is a fantastic heel. I will say that. Because you are perfectly willing to pay money to watch somebody slap the shit out of Carmella. You are. And Carmella was talking shit. Once she came out of the pod, she was talking shit to Asuka. She was talking shit to Raquel. Anybody who was still in the pod, she'd go up to the plexiglass and get in their face. And she would talk shit because, well, they're locked in the pod. Asuka is the last person to get out of the pod. And she whooped Carmella's ass. Oh my god, this was fucking great. Carmella got her ass beat like a Nazi at a BLM rally. She just got her ass kicked. It was fucking great. Now, at this point, I'm not entirely sure what happened. I don't know if they got their time cut or if they ran long or what happened. There is just, just this parade of eliminations. Nikki gets eliminated. We never saw how or why. Followed by Liv. Liv's gone. Uh, Natalia gets tossed. Asuka and Carmella double pin Raquel. So at the end, it is Asuka and Carmella. And again, Carmella just took an ass kicking like a pro. Asuka taps her out. Asuka wins and she's going to WrestleMania to face uh, Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's title. Now... I will say this, WWE proved why we don't need two of the same events on a show. We had the men's elimination chamber on this show. You had the women's elimination chamber. 
WWE proved why we don't need both of them. Follow me on this one. The way things have always gone, the way WWE has booked it for 20 years, the winner of the Royal Rumble picks who they want to main event Mania with, whether it's the Raw champ or the SmackDown champ. Okay. Now, if Fuckwit A wins the Royal Rumble and he wants to wrestle for the SmackDown title, well, now we have the Raw champion who doesn't have an opponent. So now we did the Elimination Chamber. And the winner of the Elimination Chamber fought the Raw champ or SmackDown. However, either way, both Raw and SmackDown champions have a main event at WrestleMania. Cool? Cool. All right. We had two Elimination Chambers on this show. Why? Because uh, Rhea Ripley won the Royal Rumble and she chose to wrestle Charlotte for the SmackDown women's title at WrestleMania. So like I just described, Bianca Belair doesn't have an opponent for the Raw women's title. So Asuka wins the Elimination Chamber and now she's wrestling Bianca Belair for the, for the Raw women's title. Following me on this one? Okay. Wait. Roman Reigns has two belts and he's wrestling Cody Rhodes. So why the fuck is there a men's Elimination Chamber? Check this shit out. There's a men's elimination chamber for the United States championship. The fuck? Why? Wait, hold on. We've, we've dedicated an entire uh, gimmick match for a mid-card title? Is that... See? See, folks? You don't need a men's elimination chamber and women's elimination chamber on this show. It was a fucking waste of time. You could have done the women's elimination chamber and told the men to fuck off. All it's doing is dragging out these pay-per-views and pissing me off. It really is. But anyway, let's move on. The next match. The next match. Um, I, I had time. There was like 20 minutes between the end of the women's elimination chamber and the start of the Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley match. But in the meantime, I got to watch this video package on Ronda Rousey. Wait, what? Why, why am I getting a video package on Ronda Rousey? I mean, you're doing a video package because Ronda Rousey is the next match, right? Who's, but wait, who's Ronda wrestling on this show? Uh-huh. Wait, Ronda's not wrestling? Uh-huh. Then why the fuck am I watching a Ronda Rousey video package if she's not on the show? What the fuck? Alright, anyway, my head hurts. So, the next match was, like I said, it's Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley. This was just a hoss fight. Oh my god. This was basically... This was those two guys that get in the fight at the bar and security's looking at each other like, I'm not breaking them up. You break them up. Fuck you. I got kids at home. I'm not breaking them up. Like, the, the two guys that you just pray to God, they take it outside. Otherwise, might just, you might as well just burn down the bar yourself. Like, fuck it. I'm not breaking these two up. Screw it. To put this into perspective, 
Brock Lesnar has an eight-inch genie braid growing out of the top of his head. Are you going to fuck with him about it? I'm not going to fuck with him about it. Brock Lesnar is unfuckwithable. I mean, let's face it. This, I mean, these guys beat the shit out of each other. And this match is exactly what it should have been. It should have been two big-ass dudes fucking throwing, throwing hands for six minutes. That's it. That basically is all you wanted to see. And that's all you got. This was just a parade of finishers. It was just F5, spear, F5, spear. Uh, Bobby was going for the hurt lock. Brock kept blocking it. Finally, Brock gets the, I mean, uh, excuse me, Bobby gets the hurt lock and Brock, he's, he's stuck. He's trapped. And so I honestly, the way they built this story, think about this. As long as Bobby Lashley has been using the full Nelson as a finisher, nobody's broken it. And I seriously thought this was going to be the time. I thought Bobby was going to get that hurt lock. Brock was going to break it because, well, who else do you have to break streaks besides fucking Brock Lesnar? So, but then they're selling it. They were selling it great. I will say this. The one thing was the commentators were not selling that nobody's ever broken the hurt lock. I was just, I wanted that to happen just so when Brock broke it, it meant something. Brock never fucking broke it. So it didn't matter after all. Brock throws back, uh, throws back a kick and just kicks Bobby right in his beanbag. Bobby goes down like he had been shot. Referee standing right there. That was the best part. Is the ref sitting there like, bro, at least try to hide it. And so the ref turns around, rings the bell. Bobby Lashley wins by disqualification. And I have to say this. I, I, I totally skipped this in my notes. This crowd loved Brock Lesnar. They did. Because the show's in Montreal. And Brock goes moose hunting with his bare hands like a block and a half away from this building. So these people loved Brock Lesnar. Matter of fact, Brock gave Bobby two F5s. Crowd was counting for, or chanting for one more. So Brock picks Bobby up and goes, ah, you're taking another one. And he gave him one more. I, I want to point out how much this crowd loved Brock because he's one of their own. He is. He actually has dual citizenship. Fucking guy lives in like, he lives in the frozen tundra somewhere up in Canada. But they turned on him when he kicked Bobby Lashley in the nuts and ended the match. These people hated Brock Lesnar. They did. Until Brock picked up Bobby and gave another F5 and they started cheering him all over again. And then, here's some fucked up shit. Brock grabs the referee and he F5s the referee as if to say, how dare you catch me doing some shady shit. Dude, you kicked Bobby Lashley in the nuts three feet away from the referee. Like, at least try to hide some shit. So, yeah, this, like I said, this match was really good. This is exactly what you would expect, except here's, 
here's the one problem in the storytelling of this match. Except for this one little fuck up, the, the storytelling was perfect. The commentators were telling the story that these guys have wrestled twice and each guy has a win over the other one. So here's the rubber match. That's basically the story they were telling going in. And then you get a bullshit DQ. So if you're going to do any kind of rematch, you, you basically just punch yourself in the dick with the storyline that the commentators were telling. So anyway, that was the one screw up in this. Other than that, this was great. The next matchup was Edge and Beth Phoenix versus Rhea Ripley and Finn Balor. And it's at this point that we are informed this whole show is sponsored by C4 Energy. If you've ever wanted to know what meth withdrawals feel like, C4 Energy is the energy drink for you. Ten years of sales and marketing, folks. I think it paid off. This match was great. And with these four involved, how could it not be? I mean, think about it. You have Edge. You have Beth Phoenix. You have Rhea Ripley. You have Finn Balor. Rhea Ripley is the most inexperienced person in this match. Think about that for a second. This was great. The fans. Oh, my God. This crowd hated Dominic. This crowd started a fuck you, Dominic chant. That was, you know what? That was very un-Canadian. Canadians are usually like extremely polite people. Fuck you, Dominic was a, was a very un-Canadian chant. I have to say this. You know what? It took a while. I'm going to admit this right now. I don't think I've admitted this on the show yet. I love Dominic's new gimmick. I really do. With with the flannel and the fucking do-rags on his head, I'm I'm loving it. Because it reminds me of, do you remember that episode where Carlton bet Will that he couldn't live in the hood for like a weekend? And when Will came to get him, Carlton looked like an extra from Boys in the Hood. Like, that's what Dom's new gimmick reminds me of. It really does. I'm loving it. I just, I can't help it. I love this shit. Now, at one point in this match, uh, Beth goes up to the top rope. Referee's distracted. Dom grabs Beth's boot pulls it and crotches her on the top rope. And when I say crotches her, oh my God, Beth Phoenix drops on the, the metal part of the turnbuckle. She hits this thing vagina first. And if that wasn't bad enough, she bounced back up like a good eight to 10 inches and then came down and landed again. Like, holy shit, that puckered my butthole. That, oh my God, that fucking looked painful as shit. Oh my God. But this match, this match was great. And Edge and Beth Phoenix go over. They, they went over strong, too. That was the best part. They went over strong. They hit Finn Balor with a shatter machine. They hit him with FTR's, uh, FTR's finish. Now, I, I'm not entirely sure, but, like, are Edge and Beth friends with Cash and Dax? Because it didn't look like... It didn't look like they're stealing their finish. It looked like, hey, guys... Doing this as a, as a shout-out. So, anyway, I'm hoping the Edge and Beth 
with uh, Judgment Day thing. I'm hoping it's done because it kind of feels like you're just making shit up at this point. So I'm kind of hoping that this was kind of the, the blow off match, but we're probably going to see a. If Vince McMahon was still in charge, we would definitely see a rematch tomorrow night. That's that would be pretty much a given, but we'll see where it goes. We follow the mixed tag match with a Miz video package. What the fuck is going on here? What? You gave me a Ronda Rousey video package earlier on the show. Ronda Rousey isn't anywhere on this fucking show at all. Right before the men's elimination chamber, you give me a Miz video package. Why? Why? Please tell me why. You know what? Here's why. I, this is my best guess. My best guess is since AEW is in business, they need to show you, they need to do video packages to prove to you that these guys still work there. That is, it's all I can figure out. They need to throw out there, hey, uh, you don't see Rhonda, but she's still on the show. Hey, Miz, don't forget about Miz. He's still here, too. Like, nobody has jumped ship. They still work here. Please don't go anywhere, guys. Like that. Why else would you advertise people that aren't on the show? Anyway, that, that seriously just confuses the shit out of me. And like I said before, this is the men's elimination chamber for Austin Theory's United States heavyweight title. Because why the hell not? So first one out is Austin. Glad to have his name back theory. You have Montez Ford, Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, Johnny Gargano, and Seth Rollins. And no, I will not call him Seth freaking Rollins. It's the dumbest fucking nickname ever. This opens. So this one opens with Rollins and Gargano. And they did a damn good job. I mean, it's Seth Rollins and Johnny Gargano. So... Newsflash, these guys are really fucking good at their job. It's at this point that Austin, Austin Theory is playing the Carmella role in this match. Because Carmella was the one, she was in the, she was in the pods almost, almost to the end, talking a lot of shit. She was taunting people. And then as soon as she got out of the pod, she jumped back in and closed the door. So she's doing the cowardly heel thing. Austin Theory does the exact same thing, except... He was the first one out of the pod, but he's talking shit. He comes out of the pod, takes a couple of punches to the face, jumps right back in the pod. But he can only get one door closed, so Johnny Gargano can't get in the pod with him. But Austin Theory is great at being the dumb shit heel, and he forgot there's two doors of the pod. So he doesn't close the other door. Seth Rollins comes in, jumps in the pod, and just starts beating the shit out of him. Gargano's door opens up. So you have these three guys fighting in the space of like the inside of a, a phone booth. They are just beating the shit out of him, bouncing him off the walls. And the greatest part is it's elimination chamber pod. It's all plexiglass. You're bouncing Austin theory off plexiglass and there's like this bukkake of baby oil and self-tanner just all over the walls of this pod. I laughed my ass off. The, the, the walls of the pod are now not clear anymore. They're like translucent. It looks like a shower door. 
I can see forms in the pod. I can't make them out. Don't know who the fuck it is. Check it out. I laughed my ass off. Shortly after that, Bronson Reed comes out of his pod. This guy. Oh, my God. Apparently, at some point, somebody said, all right, we fired Samoa Joe. We, we need a new Samoa Joe. What about Bronson Reed? He'll be our Samoa Joe. He's Australian. Fuck it. Close enough. That, that's basically because you booked him like you should have booked Joe when you fucking had him. Bronson Reed is basically just Bronson Reed is a fire truck with eyes. He is this short, thick, just powerful fucking dude. There was this spot. Oh, my God. I thought Bronson Reed died. I seriously thought I just watched him expire. Reed has Gargano up on his shoulders. Like he's he's sitting him up in an, an electric chair position. Seth Rollins does a springboard into what looks like a doomsday device. So Gargano's sitting on Reed's shoulders. Seth comes off the top rope with a clothesline, and I'm expecting Gargano to take a you know spinning back bump. No, no, not so much at all. Seth hits the clothesline. Gargano spins back like he's going to take the Doomsday Device bump. But he locks his thighs around Bronson's head, does a Poison Rana. Bronson Reed took this bump like he didn't know it was coming. Bronson Reed does this back-flipping bump, but just happens to land on the top of his head. Like, if the guy didn't have a 36-inch neck... We probably have a we probably have another of draws. This dude just landed on the top of his head, and I screamed. I was just like, "Oh my god!" At this point, Montez Ford comes out. Um, I want to say that was it. Those are the only people. So we have we have Austin Theory, Seth Rollins, we had Johnny Gargano, Bronson Reed, and now Montez Ford comes out. Montez Ford is every WWE gimmick match has that guy that you're pretty sure is going to die. Most of the time it's Kofi. In this case, it was Montez Ford. Remember how every elimination chamber match has that one obligatory spot where somebody's got to jump off the pod for no fucking reason whatsoever. Well, Montez Ford said, Hey, hold my red solo cup. This dude climbed the side of the, uh, the of the chamber. He gets to the roof of the chamber. He is holding the top of the chamber with his hands while letting his feet dangle straight down. He then does like a a pullover, like a gymnastics pullover. He folds his legs up so his knees are to his chest. He then turns all the way around. I thought this guy was going to hang by by his feet from the top of the cell. No, no, not so much. He does stick his feet through the roof of the cell, so he's hanging upside down like Batman, lets go, and just drops onto Seth Rollins, Austin Theory, and Bronson Reed. Like, basically, Montez Ford did a Batman plancha off the top of the cell. That happened. But wait, there's more. This... Elimination Chamber match is already, like, the scariest fucking Elimination Chamber match I've ever seen. 
and I'm fairly certain they there was a, there was a race to see who was going to die, because uh, Johnny Gargano and Seth Rollins at one point are both sitting on the top of the cell. I don't know why. They're just sitting up there chit-chatting. If there were beers, they would have cracked them open. And then Seth just starts beating the shit out of Johnny Gargano, picks him up in like a powerbomb position. And I'm seriously thinking that Seth is just going to throw Gargano off the top of the cell from a, from a powerbomb position onto whoever's catching below. At this point, Damian Priest is out of his pod. You still have Bronson Reed, Austin Theory. Seth holds Johnny up. And I, I can tell that what it looks like is Seth is feeling for the edge of the pod to know exactly where he's at so he doesn't kill Johnny Gargano. Which is very considerate on Seth's part. I will say that. Johnny then... Falls, he flips straight back. He does a hurricane rana off the top of the pod, and Rollins takes a forward flipping bump off the pod onto whoever. Oh my god! I just screamed because not only is Rollins taking a forward flipping bump down 10 or 12 feet. But Johnny Gargano is basically doing a moonsault off of Seth Rollins' shoulders. Again, taking that same 10 to 12 feet. Some, you're going to kill somebody. Somebody, this match is the scariest. You know what? Next time, you're going to have to light the chamber on fire to, to top the shit you did in this one. Oh my God. At this point, at this point, I'm pretty sure that everyone is just saying, you know what, let's go out and have some fun and let's do a bunch of shit that we can get away with. Because I must have seen 137 super kicks, 24 crotch chops, Montez Ford did a rock bottom, he did a people's elbow, uh, Damian Priest did a razor's edge. Like These guys are basically just copying spots that they, that they grew up watching. Screw it, what are we going to do? We're basically the main event of this shit. So it is now time for the parade of finishers because Damian Priest gets eliminated by Montez Ford. Montez Ford gets eliminated by Austin Theory after taking a curb stomp from Seth Rollins. They sold this because Montez Ford's head is outside the ring. Seth gives him the curb stomp on... They are selling it. The, the, the announcers are selling it as it's the most unforgiving part of the Elimination Chamber, even though there's these thick-ass gymnastics mats on them. This isn't 2006 when it was all metal grating outside. No, they've actually padded this shit now. But Montez Ford takes this curb stomp and sells it like death. This dude didn't move for like another like five or six minutes Austin Theory pins him, Montez Ford is out, and Montez Ford is just laying there like a dead man. And part of me is wondering, like, wait, is this a work or is this a shoot? Because everything looked like it went, you know, according to plan, but shit happens in there. So is Ford really out? 
because he's not moving at all. Referee starts waving people in. You have two more referees. You had two medical, uh, two members of the medical personnel, and they're all tending to Montez Ford. And I'm just like, oh my God, like this dude might be legitimately hurt. And then I notice they start picking him up and I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I was a trained EMT. Dude's unconscious. You don't just fucking pick him up. What's going on? And that's when Logan Paul does a run in. You have two men left in the elimination chamber. You've got Seth Rollins and you've got Austin Theory. And remember, this is for Austin Theory's U.S. title. So the moment Montez Ford got beat, I went, Austin Theory's retaining. Okay. Logan Paul does a run-in into the chamber. He does Hangman Page's uh, buckshot lariat, flips over the top rope, crushes Seth Rollins with this lariat. Okay, so he's been doing this for a while. Logan Paul's been doing the buckshot lariat for a little while. He starts to walk out. Rollins starts to recover. And all of a sudden, Logan turns around and hits Seth Rollins with his own curb stomp. And I just started laughing. I just started laughing because you hit him with a buckshot lariat that you stole from Hangman Adam Page. You then hit him with a curb stomp that you stole from him. Logan Paul is basically the gimmick mimic. His job is just to steal other finishers that he's seen other people do. Seriously, that's got to be his new thing. The gimmick mimic Logan Paul. So anyway, Austin Theories picks up Seth Rollins, hits him with A-Town down. Austin Theory retains his title. And we have an elimination chamber for a U.S. title for no apparent fucking reason other than you need to have a men's elimination chamber match. Don't get me wrong. It was a great match. But it was stupid. So your main event of the evening, it is Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns. And of course, Roman Reigns has to take his two-day-long entrance. I actually feel like I could have flown to Montreal and gotten to the building before Roman Reigns got to the ring. I really, I kind of feel like, you know what? I have a great idea. Why don't we take a page out of AEW's book and we have Roman Reigns match start the show? That way you can make his whole entrance the, uh, the pre-show. And that way when the show starts, Roman Reigns is already in the ring. And the, the pay-per-view is only three hours long. How about that? What, we could seriously shave off time if we cut out Roman Reigns' entrance. Like Watching a WWE pay-per-view shouldn't take longer than watching the whole Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy. That, it should, fuck that. Like I'm going to keep complaining about this shit. Don't think I'm not. But all that aside, this match, oh my god, this was great. Like I said before, Sami Zayn made his entrance and he was a Canadian god to these people. Oh my god. These people sang Seth Rollins' song throughout the entire Men's Elimination Chamber match. These people sang Sami Zayn's song throughout his match. This crowd was seriously hot as hell. Oh my God. And so Roman and Seth, Roman and Seth, excuse me, Roman and Sammy start this match. Sammy starts off hot. 
Like they did a great job. They shined Sammy up like crazy to the point that these people actually thought Sammy Zayn was going to win this title. And then Roman takes over. Seth came off. Seth, goddammit. <laughs> Sammy, I'm not even going to edit that out. I'm going to leave that in. Screw it. Sammy comes off the top rope and Roman punches him just right in the throat. Roman takes over and Roman, you know what? I have been saying it for a while that WWE hasn't made any stars since John Cena. I stand corrected because Roman Reigns, Roman Reigns is a star and Roman Reigns knows what the hell he's doing in that ring because he beat Sammy's ass. He, he got the heat on Sammy and this crowd wanted Roman dead. Roman didn't rush. Roman took his time. He just, he would heat Sammy up. He would sit there and just beat him down. These crowd, these, this crowd would get behind him. And then Roman would go and talk shit to the crowd and piss him off even more. Roman would go beat Sammy's ass some more. And then he would go fuck with the crowd some more. It was, it was seriously, it should have gotten boring, but it never did. And the greatest part was he grabbed Sammy, dragged Sammy over in front of Sammy's wife and his two kids. And he's punking out Sammy Zane's family. And he's talking shit to the wife like, I didn't want this. I wanted us to be a family. He's the one that did this. And the wife, like, I don't know if the wife was smartened up. Obviously, the wife was smartened up. But I don't know if she was just working or if she was legit getting pissed because she's just yelling at Roman Reigns. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, this 108-pound woman is going to come across that barrier and beat his ass. But this was, no, I mean, this was beautifully worked. Because Sami Zayn was just a sympathetic baby face. Roman would hit him with a, with a Superman punch. He'd kick out at two and a half. Roman would hit him with a spear. He'd kick out at two and a half. And then Sami starts making his comeback. And Sami is just a house of fire. Miss you, Gorilla Monsoon. He is just a house of fire. And this crowd lost their shit. This crowd seriously lived and died with Sami Zayn and he would hit, he hits, he goes for the Huluva kick, catches a, um, catches a Superman punch, kicks out. Roman goes for it again. Sami hits a Huluva kick. One, two, Roman kicks out and then the referee gets bumped because of course the referee got bumped. Sammy hits another Huluva kick. There's no referee. Sammy gets a visual pin. Like you actually have the crowd. One, two, three. They got up to like six before Jimmy Uso does a run in. And I saw Jimmy Uso and I went, oh shit, he got in the country. So Jimmy hits him with like, Jimmy hits Sammy with like four or five super kicks in a row. Goes up to the top, hits the splash. He pulls Roman on top. And as Jimmy Uso is getting out of the ring, a new referee is running down the aisle. They pass each other. 
they pass each other as Jimmy's getting out of the ring, referee's getting in, and I'm going, you didn't see that, ref? Like, you came down to the ring to take the place of the referee that's out on the floor sleeping. You see Jimmy Uso getting out of the ring. We're just, we're just going to let that slide? All right. Okay. Let, let's let that slide. Referee counts one. Referee counts two. Sammy kicks out. And every, every Canadian in that building shit their pants. Yeah. Match keeps going. Sammy makes a comeback. Sammy has Roman, hits him with another Huluva kick, hits Jimmy Uso with a Huluva kick, goes for the cover. Roman kicks out on two and 99 one hundredths. Like this, this is a good match. It's actually really good up to this point. Then the second referee got bumped and I'm going, ah, shit. Okay. All right. Roman gets a chair. He is going to take Sammy's head off when Jey Uso shows up. And because we don't know who, whose side Jay's on. Last pay-per-view, Jay would not take part in the Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn ass-whooping. So we don't know whose side Jay is on. You have, this, you have this yelling match between Roman and Jay. Sammy goes to spear Roman. Roman sidesteps. Sammy spears Jay. And I'm like, brilliant. This is brilliant. And I'll tell you why in a second. Roman takes that chair and just beats the living shit out of Sami Zayn with it. Just over and over. Beat him like he stole something. Roman gets the cover. The referee who got knocked out, now all of a sudden he's fine. He pops up. He fucking dances a jig. Gets in the ring. Counts one. Counts two. Counts three. Roman Reigns defends his title. And that crowd went silent. They didn't say a word. I'm laughing. I'm crying. There are tears in my eyes. I'm laughing so hard because the crowd, the camera is, is uh, panning the crowd. And the entire crowd is going from what the fuck to fuck you, Roman. You just see faces. These faces are shock and anger. And I'm... <laughs> Donnie, I told you, I told you, Sammy wasn't winning this match. I told you, like, I love Sammy Zayn, but you're, they're not putting the title on him. They're just not. So anyway, here's why this is brilliant. Here's why the, the Jay Uso thing was brilliant because Roman and the Usos, Roman and Jimmy Uso, not Jay, cause Jay was uh, speared outside the ring. They proceed to beat the crap out of Sami Zayn. They just kept beating him, and that's when Kevin Owens' music starts. Kevin Owens runs the ring. He saves Sami's ass, and here's where this is going. Because I fell for it, folks. I got worked. I don't mind saying it. I knew Sami Zayn was not winning this title. He was not beating Roman. That You have Roman who's been undefeated for 900 days. You're not beating him on a bullshit pay-per-view like Elimination Chamber. You're not. You're going to beat him at Mania. Are you going to beat him with Sami Zayn? Fuck no, you're not. Okay? But the way they've been booking it, I actually thought that 
there was going to be some kind of fuck finish and they were going to somehow shoehorn Sami Zayn into the Cody match at Mania and make it a triple threat. That's where I got worked. Here's where the Jey Uso thing is brilliant. Because the rumor is that it's going to be Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens against the Usos for the unified tag team titles. Sammy went to spear Roman. Roman sidesteps. Sammy spears Jay. Jay's been on the fence. Jay has been like, you know, I, I, they want me to beat Sammy's ass. I don't want to beat Sammy's ass. Sammy and I are cool. Blah, blah, blah. But Sammy hit Jay with a spear. And now you have, you have the seeds for a Jay Uso heel turn, which sets up our match at Mania. Genius. Fucking genius. So, all in all, this was a good show. I had a really good time with this. Like I said, this was a long-ass show, but it was good. It was really good. So, that's all I got. I actually took notes. If you couldn't tell from last week, because I didn't have shit for last week, I was doing it off the top of my head. I actually had notes for this one. So, alright, folks. That is it. I am the Ninja Nerd Warrior, and you can find me on... Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. If you like this podcast, go ahead and like and subscribe and share it with your friends and family. Click the share button and send it to people you know. Uh, if you don't like this show, you don't have to share it, but please like and subscribe. I still need the numbers. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or you can go straight to the source on ninjanerdwarriorpodcast.com. And with that, um, the hope, the hope is that I can do another show next weekend on Ant-Man in the Quantum Realm. Quantumania. Fuck is the name of that movie? Either way, you know what I'm talking about. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. So that's it. And uh, I'll talk to you next weekend. Bye-bye. Hey!